Hey friends, welcome to the show. So I had this episode pretty much all wrapped up, ready to release uh, last night, and it originally ended with a message to Carrie Fisher, wishing her well with her recovery. But then I woke up this morning and saw that she had passed away. So man, I am so sad about this. Uh, it's extra painful considering that she is in a current Star Wars trilogy that is not complete. She brought so much life and character to Princess Leia, and Star Wars would be uh, Star Wars would be worse without her for sure. No one else could have filled those shoes. She's our princess. She will always be our princess. I'm incredibly saddened by her passing, but I'm so grateful that we have her presence in so many of these Star Wars movies. So this episode is dedicated to Carrie Fisher, to everything that she's done for us as fans, uh, for her incredible personality and her incredible presence, both in Star Wars and just as a person. She will be dearly missed. 2016 has been a bitch of a year for a lot of reasons. A lot of uh, celebrity deaths that a lot of people felt very intensely. George Michael just passed away a couple days ago. George Michael was actually very um, inspirational for me as a as an artist. I mean, I I was working on this song at one point and realized that I was just using a melody from a George Michael song and had to change it. And there, there was this night a year or two ago where I just sat down and listened to a whole bunch of George Michael songs, which I'd never done before. But I realized that uh, I realized how inspirational his music had been to me, even though I'd only ever really heard the pop hits. Um, they really wormed their way into my consciousness and affected how I how I write as a musician. So very sad to hear of his passing as well. Anyway, the rest of this episode, let's stay positive. We're going to have a really fun time talking about Rogue One, a movie that uh, I fucking love. Keep in mind that this was recorded before we learned of Carrie Fisher's passing. So the discussion of using CG to recreate characters from the original trilogy would have been colored very differently if we had uh, known of Carrie Fisher's passing at the time. All right, my friends, we're going back in time a couple days before things were sad to a time when I was overjoyed about my first viewing experience of Rogue One. Let's check it out. Rogue One was fucking rad. It was so cool. I'm really pumped about it. Jenny Krantz is here. We're going to talk about the movie. You may remember her from the Force Awakens special edition podcast we did last year and from the very first sci-fi on trial about the Phantom Menace. She's my, my resident Star Wars expert. And we're continuing our tradition of talking about new Star Wars movies on this show. Before we get to that, I got to tell you, Netflix dropped a couple of new sci-fi shows recently, and I started watching two of them. And they're so good. They're both so good. I got to tell you about it. So I started watching Colony, first season of Colony. It's a show on USA starring Josh Holloway and Sarah Wayne Callies. Uh, Josh Holloway from Lost and Sarah Wayne Callies from The Walking Dead. And it's uh, written and created by Carlton Cuse and some other guy, Ryan something. Uh, Carlton Cuse, who was one of the showrunners of Lost. This show is fucking awesome. The basic premise is that an occupation is happening in L.A., by some unseen force that we don't really understand. The show hasn't yet revealed to us who they are, what they are. Is it aliens? 
Seems like aliens. They have these weird drones that fly through the sky and shoot you if you're out past curfew. It's a very intense show, but it is so well written, so well acted. It's very immersive. I mean, everything feels real, seems real. There's some super intense moments. I'm through, I think, five episodes, about halfway through the first season, and I'm loving every second of it. Can't recommend it enough. I also started watching Travelers. Travelers is a a sci-fi show from Canada that stars Eric McCormick and a bunch of other people that I've uh, never heard of before, but are all fucking awesome. They are fantastic. This show's created by Brad Wright, and the first time I watched this, I had no idea what I was getting into. I watched, like, the cold open of the show. It was very intriguing, and then it gets to the title card, and it says created by Brad Wright, and I almost pooped myself. Brad Wright was the showrunner on all the Stargate shows. I love Stargate. I love the movie. I love the TV shows. I've seen every episode of every Stargate show, and I was so upset when Stargate Universe went off the air. I loved Stargate Universe. I thought that was a fantastic show, and it only got two seasons, which is a travesty. This show is like getting uh, another Stargate show without Stargates, basically. Uh, There's a lot of actors that I recognize from Stargate that are popping up. Uh, Terrell Rothery, I don't know how to say her name. She played the doctor on SG-1. She's the mom of one of the characters. The guy who played Dr. Vogel on Stargate Universe is one of the main characters. I didn't even recognize him because he's got this this beard now. He looks great. Uh, He was kind of like a mousy character on Stargate Universe, and he's He's so good in Travelers. I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't recognize him because he's such a different character and I love his character in this show. So the premise of this show is that there are time travelers from the future who are sending their consciousness back in time into the bodies of people who are about to die, uh, preventing them from dying and then taking over their lives to try to prevent disaster from occurring in the future. It is fucking fantastic. I love it so much. I think I'm through seven episodes of the 12-episode first season. I feel very personally connected to this show for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's like seeing uh, all these family members from the Stargate family that I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, And, of course, Brad Wright has written several of the episodes, created the show, and his writing stamp is all over the show. And it's a very familiar feeling uh, universe as far as the writing is concerned. I mean, it's it's completely unique from Stargate. It's very different from Stargate, but the type of sci-fi that it is is very familiar to me. The sort of um, ex- the sort of excitement that the show contains is very familiar to me, and it's a wonderful thing to have back to have new episodes of something written by Brad Wright. Eric McCormick is fantastic in this show. You'll, you'll remember him as Will from Will and Grace. This is a completely different role for him, and he is killing it. For me, the breakout star of this is Mackenzie Porter as Marcy. Uh, I love this character. She's really fascinating. She's the first character you meet in the pilot. And she actually looks a lot like someone that I used to date, so I'm having this weird, uncanny experience watching the show. And I, you know, I don't really want to tell you anything about it. I want you to just go watch the show. It's so great. I also started watching Babylon 5, which I've never seen before. And I'm also about five episodes through that, plus the first, uh, the first uh, movie that aired bef- about a year before the show started. And I'm loving it so far. I mean, this is a big hole in my sci-fi fandom that I've just that I'm now filling with Babylon 5. And it feels great. So yeah, basically in the last week I started three sci-fi shows. It's been very exciting. Let's get into our discussion of Rogue One with Jenny Krantz. I do have a work in progress of my new song Saturn to play for you at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but between now and then, gonna be solid Rogue One awesome sauce. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Jenny Krantz, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So we just watched Rogue One. Um, <laughs> it was. 
It was my first time ever seeing it. It was your fourth time? Third. Third time. Third time in like three days, though. Third time in three days. Uh, I'm a little shell-shocked. I'm completely blown away by it. Yeah. I'm still kind of blown away by it. Even with some time to process it, it's still... I, even the third time, I, it, it, it's breathtaking. Yeah. It's breathtaking. That's yeah. the best word I can think of to describe it. Yeah, and it's breathtaking in an actual, literal, physical way. The yeah. last 10 minutes of the movie, I mean, when it ended, yeah. I realized I had not been breathing. Yeah. Like, I had been <laughs> holding my breath. Uh, it gets, it, the whole movie just feels like a crescendo. You know, it doesn't follow the normal, uh, like, three-act structure of a film. Mm-hmm. It does its own thing and just gets bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger and more exciting and then more intense. And then the end is insane. Yeah. So, okay, Spoiler heavy. I mean, we're going to talk all the way through. Well, we're going to we're not going to talk all the way through the movie. We're going to talk for an hour. Yeah. We have an hour of time that we have. <laughs> uh, we only have an hour, so we're going to just brush the surface about how excited oh, we are about the movie. It's going to be tough, but yeah, we're yeah. Try. But from this point on, we're very spoiler heavy. So, <laughs> so watch out. Yeah. You can you can tune out, go watch the movie, come back, listen to this. <laughs> but uh, you've been warned. Yeah. Everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never seen a movie like that before where all like a space adventure where every single hero dies. Yeah. But that was what like it was so amazing about it. So one of the, just one of the first things that came to my head is just how brave this movie was, because yeah. a lot of criticisms, again, when you think of the prequels and stuff was kind of. It's Star Wars movies. You want to sell action figures. It's for selling toys. There's a whole market around it. This movie was, it felt all about the film. It wasn't afraid to to go there and kill off the main character. Like yeah. all of them, all of them. Totally. It's also kind of brave because it's kind of um, uh, risking not being able to have a franchise. Like if it was right. going to be really successful, right. you know, a lot of times that's part of, I would guess, like part of the reasoning wanting to keep all the characters so you could keep going. And totally. they were, it was such a bold move. I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, the uh, in the beginning, I loved uh, K2 so much. Oh my God, he's my new favorite droid, I, I think. I love that droid. And I'm, I just oh. got so excited thinking to myself, wow, they're going to make so many more Star Wars movies and I'll bet K2 is going to keep yeah. showing up. And then they fucking kill him brutally. His I mean, death was, the uh, of all of them, that was, which is crazy. I feel like that's the one I felt the hardest was yeah. his just something about the way he goes out and the, the lights dying from his eyes. It was just uh, more than I've expected to. Cause yeah, you think he's going to be the funny R2D2 character or something that they're going to put in every single movie. Yeah. And nope. Nope. Yeah. That crown still belongs to R2D2 who yeah. showed up in this movie. I know. I can't believe they kept that a secret. I, know. I had no idea that C3PO and R2D2 were going to be nope. in this. I know. Uh, I it had slipped out that Bail Organa was going to be in it. Um, oh, I had I hadn't even heard that. I've been not paying attention. This movie completely took me by surprise. As yeah. as big of a Star Wars fan as I am, I mean, I followed you know the Force Awakens up to like everything. I was immersed yeah. in the trailers. Everything. I saw the first two trailers for this, and then I was kind of like, yeah, no, of course. I mean, of course, I'm excited because it's Star Wars. But I just I was like, I don't. I didn't have any connection to the characters i i didn't have a whole lot of faith in it i was like i don't know how i feel about this whole spin-off thing then i heard john williams wasn't doing the score they weren't even doing the scrawl the um the famous the opening, opening, yeah, the opening scroll and i was yeah. kind of just like yeah of course i'm gonna see it but like i don't know i'm just sort of not mm, i don't know i felt kind of neutral about it interesting and <laughs> my god i actually avoided all of the trailer <sighs> i saw the first trailer and it, it like flabbergasted me yeah. So I'm, I was just a thousand percent in. I had no doubt in my mind 
that I was excited to see this movie. Yeah. So I actually avoided all the other trailers. I only saw the first one. I didn't read anything about it. Uh, so this is the first time since um, since I was a kid that I saw a Star Wars movie not knowing who the characters were going to be. Oh. I mean, the prequels, I had read everything. Yeah. Uh, Force Awakens, I had read everything. This is the first modern Star Wars movie right. that I didn't know who was going to be in it, like who the who the character names were going to be like i mean i knew the the basic premise that they were going to be trying to steal the plans for the death star that's only the last like 20 30 minutes of the movie well i think that's why i wasn't as excited because like i'm i was more excited for episode eight because i'm like oh my god who are raised parents like there's all these mysteries that i was thinking about that one but for this one i'm sort of like yeah no i think it's it's gonna be cool but i know how it ends like i know what I knew the premise of it. So I was just like, yeah, of course I'm going to see it, but I'm not like dying to see it. I, I just didn't, I don't know. I had sort of a blank slate about it. I don't know. I mean, that's probably good though. It probably made you enjoy it more. Yeah. Although I will say the, the posters, the promotional posters for some reason stood out to me. The most beautiful, like graphically, like beautiful posters got my attention. Just the design of everything. And then I will say, I think hands down out of, all any Star Wars movie ever made. It's the most visually beautiful, breathtaking, incredible of all of them. It it looks amazing. It does look amazing. Ugh. The very first shot where you see those rings around that planet and yeah. you see what it's like to live on a planet with rings. Right. I was just spellbound. And I, I'm like finishing a song right now called Saturn that's about Saturn's oh, rings, man. basically. <laughs> it's like a love song about a planet with rings. And like to uh-huh. see that, I was like, oh, this is amazing. But you know what like caught my brain so fast that I could I got in this loop that I couldn't get out of? Why on a planet where they have running water are they moisture farming? Because it, <laughs> it really looked like uh the like the homestead in the beginning, it looked like they were moisture yeah, farming. I Those looked like moisture evaporators. Right. I'm sure it was I'm sure they'll come out with some like official thing that says it was something else, it's but I feel like someone fucked up. Sure dehyd they're dehydrators, maybe they have, they have so too much, much moisture. moisture. So it's like the opposite. Did there you, you catch the, the little the, the blue milk? Milk. I sure yeah. did. Yeah. I mean, since it, we have limited time today, yeah. I want to talk about the, have to the, broad, the broad strokes <laughs> of things that we have to talk about. Yeah. Uh, starting with the most incredible moments of cinema I've seen in years, oh, which is Darth Vader cutting his way down the hallway. Oh my god! Holy fucking shit! I that felt, was the most badass thing. I felt like that was. What everyone has always wanted Darth Vader to be, and he's never quite even like the closest I can think of is Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, when he's you know in the lightsaber battle with Luke. With Luke, yeah. But even that is not the same. Like this is the Darth Vader you always wanted to see. That's what Darth Vader looks like in my mind, and it was so crazy to see it. Oh my god! Outside of my mind, every every yeah. The the entire treatment of Darth Vader in this movie, in my mind, was 100% flawless. I can't think of a single... Just Okay, so one thing that I loved, the way... The, your first glimpse of him, I love that your first glimpse oh. of him is it's in his most vulnerable. It's in the when back he's, to tank. Yeah, in yeah. the back to tank. And you sort... It's such a, like, interesting way to introduce him into this movie again kind of similar to empire strikes back you see like the glimpse of him putting uh his helmet on yeah but it's almost like this movie was self-aware that ev- that so many people were like there for darth vader and wanting to even um even uh saw guerrera in his breathing apparatus and you hear that yeah, yeah. he has kind of a similar to everything sort of setting you up for experiencing darth vader and then 
the first glimpse, you see this hooded dark figure walking towards this on this lava red planet, and you see this hooded figure walking. I immediately again, I'm thinking Darth Vader. I've already my brain's already there, but then seeing him in the Bacta tank totally sort of yeah. caught me off guard. But then the second time you see him when he's coming to meet Krennic, and it's just that incredibly stylized, perfect shot of his shadow projecting mm. up on the rocks, this yeah. looming, unmistakable shadow. Again, breathtaking. Yeah. Just like, <sighs> <sighs> like, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. Yeah, the whole the whole it's, movie was, like, like you were saying, was ballsy. It was like a yeah. brave movie. I mean, they, they, they're fucking with the most precious of canon. You know, right. like to me, the most shocking part of Rogue One was how real it felt it was a war yeah. movie i mean it, right there was moments where i'm like i'm watching saving private ryan even right. though i haven't Didn't, seen I mean, saving the, private ryan but signs of scarfed remind you like d-day or something totally. and then yeah it's a, a lot war. of this stuff and on jada i mean what's going on even right now this is like on the ground warfare this is what right. it's like to have a totalitarian yeah. regime yeah. um take over your life and have to fight back that's what star wars has always been you know yeah. i have never thought about it in those terms because yeah. it was never presented to me clearly like this before um and another strong female protagonist but yeah. very different from ray too very i sort different. of when i first saw i'm like okay like felicity i'm like okay so it's another ray character and i was nope this girl stands on her own totally completely i feel like the movie was always going to be made in the shadow of the the main story so i think they knew that mm -hmm. you know if you're making a spin-off story you know that people are going to compare it to the originals right uh they did some things that were fan service-ish totally. to kind of like make this relevant to the story that we know. But what, what, during the course of the movie, I'm like, okay, maybe this is a little too much fan service. But then when you get to the end and they kill everyone and then Darth Vader goes on a rampage, yeah. I'm like, I don't care. I mean, you won. You win. You, yeah. you've, you've won me over. <laughs> uh, and because because they killed everyone, it I'm so upset by their deaths. I think that it made me really realize how much this movie by itself added to the Star Wars saga. Oh, yeah. That was the other thing. I mean, just adding this whole new layer of backstory about um, th how the weakness was, that it was strategically placed in the Death Star. And again, maybe this was something that was explained in the expanded universe that I don't remember. I don't remember that either. Miss, but the fact yeah. that it, it just, I feel like it gave so much more weight to the original to episode four knowing that the this scientist that um galen or so actually did this specifically like planted the weakness there that this was yeah. all purpose yeah like, purposefully done i thought that was super cool uh, it also helps explain the fact that that weakness exists I, yeah exactly it doesn't make sense you're kind of like really there's just you can explode the whole thing through this and it yeah it gave that much more legitimacy and it made me love if it's not possible, but love episode four even more than I do. I know, right? That's the purpose of a prequel is to make you love the originals more. Yeah. This was the this prequel was, that I've was, always I wanted. Know. That's exactly it. This is what I always wanted, like what I wanted the prequels to be. Right. Oh, it absolutely. Everything. I, I still, I'm still again, like three, three viewings later, I'm still kind of shell shocked over it. Yeah. Of just how, it, yeah, it's everything I wanted it to be. Yeah, um, it, it reminded me of my excitement when I was a kid for the prequels and how that was not fulfilled because they didn't yeah. do anything that I needed or cared about. Right. Except for the third one, which did a little bit that 
that I wanted. But yeah. th- this movie did like when I was a kid and I thought about, oh, a prequel to Star Wars. What would that be like? This movie did 90 percent of it. Yeah. Uh, just this movie alone. <laughs> uh, I, I'm really blown away by it. I have to complain about Grand Moff Tarkin's face, though. Oh, um, yeah. I really have to complain about this. Like, I don't want to be a buzzkill, but why did they? They didn't pull that off. They did not pull See, that off. I, I would disagree. Really? I know. And I've been, I mean, I was thinking about that a lot. And when... Okay, for one, when when they first reveal, I mean, because I I was like, I have to say, because I'd seen it three times, so I was like, there were certain moments I was like, kind of side eyeing, like looking for your reactions, because I was like, oh, yeah, right, 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 I know, like nudging you, like, oh, yep, yeah, um, and Grand Moff Tarkin, when I first, I'm like, okay, so this is gonna be a teeny tiny little cameo, and yeah. and I was like, I was so shocked that he was as big a part of it, um, I don't, I. I think they did all things considered a really good job. It didn't mm. bother me. You can you can tell something's off, but for some reason, I don't know if it's just because I love the movie so much as a whole. It's I'm just I've got like googly eyes for it that I'm willing mm. to overlook small things. There's I I know that there's something a little off about him, but just man, I still think I guess I'm still so blown away that that technology exists. I'm still thinking about like the CGI Tom Hanks and Polar Express and how far right. we've come from that. Yeah. But um but yeah, I mean it's a little uh, it's it is a little weird. But I I still thought it was so cool just having him be a part of it. Yeah. I don't know. That first shot when he's reflected, when you see his reflection, that, like my heart stopped. Yeah. I was like, oh, right. I love it. But then he turns around and starts talking and I'm like, no, too much. Mm. If they had kept him in shadow or like kept him yeah. like, maybe less dialogue. Uh, I mean, the Princess Leia thing at the end uh, sold me. I mean, I, I can always, almost always tell when something is CG. Yeah. And Leia's CG looked more natural to me. It was a body double, and then they, yeah, used footage from the original Star Wars and mm. grafted this whole. They're actually being quite secretive about the technology from at least this article that I read. I think, well, at least this article told me they're kind of keeping it under wraps because they don't want people dissecting the technology until the movie's been out for a while and you're yeah. able to just see it, experience it, and then, okay, here's how yeah. they, we did this. Here's the whole. Interesting. Um, yeah, Le- I was pretty sold by Leia. All of the um, red leader, gold leader. Oh my god! Loved that. I uh, loved that. Well, so they also another thing I learned. Um, they so the this is again part of the create. I don't even the director producers. I don't know any of the again. I was not as involved with this one when it was coming out. Um, the director producer, whoever, um, actually went to Skywalker Ranch and found. Uh, unused footage from the original awesome. Star Wars and put nice. that in the movie and, so and cool. sort of yeah so the scenes a lot of the scenes on um on Yavin Four and in that battle over uh, wow. Scarif those that's actually scenes from the 1970s one that's amazing yeah yeah it, so of all of the the cameos made by actors from the original. As their young selves, the only one that I take issue with is Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, uh, that, but he was also the animation, probably the most difficult because if you think sure. about it, Princess Leia has a smooth skin. Yeah, and Grand Moff Tarkin to get the wrinkles and the. His, I I just don't. It for me yeah. it wasn't enough. It for yeah. me it wasn't good enough. Like for me it looked so fake. And yeah. I'm like that's the old man from Toy Story too. <laughs> um, like the way that he moved and the way his yeah. mouth moved. 
It was, I mean, it, when he's surrounded by other humans, for me, like, it wasn't even close. Mm. And it stuck out like a sore thumb. And it completely ripped me out of the movie oh. every time he showed up on screen. And there was, like, two shots in there where the, the reflection shot in the beginning and another one later. I think the very last shot of him that was to me, that looked a little better to me. But most of his dialogue, most of him in the light, I was just not, I couldn't even hear what he was saying because I was so distracted. distracted. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I was very distracted in his scenes. Like again, I, even on three viewings, I would realize, oh my God, I don't know what they were talking about. Cause every time he was on screen, I was just trying to look at him. Like, yeah. how did they do it? What? Like yeah. l- analyzing his character and his voice and then trying to compare him in my head to the real Peter Cushing. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I would, I would agree with you. And I think it was, they probably could have used a little less of him. I still yeah. think it was a cool cameo. And, a, one of those moments like holy shit yeah totally Tarkin is in this um I, there is a big part of me that appreciates that they did it uh yeah. without recasting although I do wish they had just well, recast. it's interesting that they recast Mon Mothma yeah because she was that was that different actress completely is Mon Mothma yeah, I mean and she <laughs> she looked exactly and it, and like it her didn't yeah and it didn't bother me like I bought it oh totally yeah different actress and totally. I I bought it, but I guess, I mean, that'd be a little, you cannot replace Peter Cushing. I feel like yeah. those cheekbones and those sunk, sunken in cheeks. and He's got a much more distinctive face. Yeah. Uh, I Mon mean, Mothma, you, can, you give the short haircut and yeah. you get some kind of. And we spent much less time with Mon Mothma. Right. True. Um, yeah. Yeah. It'd be like trying to replace Harrison Ford. You know, there's right. no one else that looks quite like Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, but I still think it's, again, I think it's a brave move and it's one of those Things that I think years from now, it's going to be groundbreaking in terms of recreating. Oof, like, I think uh, from where yeah. it's going to go from here, it's almost scary what I, they're going to be able to do. I know. I There was also, like, a little bit of discomfort on my part. But again, like, what do you do? Like, what, again, recasting. I don't know yeah. if they could have. In that I don't situation, know if I would have bought it more if they'd recast. Because I just can't. There's nobody. Again, it worked with Mon Mothma. I don't. Yeah. So I guess just don't use him. I would just use him less and like have it be reflections or in shadow um, or like over communications or something like that. Uh, distort, like don't just have him in broad ship well, light because it's not. I think one of the, the reasons day. they're trying to develop this technology, though, is the whole like, Paul Walker thing. Like right. what happens if a act, I know it's kind of morbid, but if an actor dies mid shoot, and you know, I, I didn't yeah. see, I'm just not a Fast and Furious fan. But I I, re- I was interested in how they recreated yeah, and, and kind of yeah like used his brother Paul Walker's brother and kind of yeah. was it, were able like to a CG graph fill over in his those face. Yeah. yeah so I don't and I can't speak for how well it turned out. I didn't see him but yeah. but I in this one article I was reading about the technology that I mentioned earlier that was one thing that they said is yeah like trying to develop it so that they could finish a movie with that yeah. actor. And- yeah. It's like, uh, it, it's a little, I mean, yeah, this feels different. I mean, we've seen stuff like this before. Like Paul Walker is the perfect example. Young Jeff Bridges in Tron, right. Tron legacy, but Jeff Bridges is still alive. You know, Paul right. Walker, yeah. um, like had just passed away and was yeah. already in that movie. This is the first time I can think of, I think this might be the first time ever where they use like the full arsenal of CG technology and money to bring someone back from the dead yeah. to play their iconic character it's kinda, it's kinda uh, so crazy. much later with, I mean, it must've been a combination of like, uh, it must've been like a voice impersonator. And yeah. And I did. And so like last night 
after again my second viewing yesterday, <laughs> I went home and watched uh, a New Hope because I just I wanted to I watch the beginning it right of now. it. Yeah. yeah, and it and and I will say again when I I like I said I disagreed slightly. Like when I watched it the first, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. He because I just again, I don't know I was just so excited to have him be a part of it because I love his character. Um, but seeing real life Peter Cushing, I, yeah, it's it is yeah. There's definitely a disconnect i think i think that it probably would have been better if they just used him less i like that they included him but be used a little more restraint that's exactly how i feel yeah that's my only complaint about this movie yeah um all the other we have to find something right totally because god it's still like that and the moisture evaporators thing i need an explanation Um, Catalyst, this uh, Rogue One kind of prequel to Rogue One. Um, but I want to read it, which again is exciting because I can't remember the last time I was interested in reading a Star Wars book. It's been a long time. Like I used to be really into that, but after the prequels, everything I've kind of died down in that area. Um, but apparently, this book is very well written and gives a lot of good insight into, um, yeah, the background leading up to the events of Rogue One. So one of the things I loved about uh, this review of this book was that apparently Krennic and Galen Erso have sort of a, he described it as kind of a Magneto Professor X relationship. Yeah. Like they have sort of this weird French frenemy kind of thing that I was really intrigued by. And this book goes into a lot of detail about it and goes into a lot of detail about Jin and them like living actually within the empire and yeah. um for the first time in many years i i'm like i actually want to look in more into these characters and totally. i want to know their stories and yeah i felt like that actually came through really well in the movie with just like yeah. some uh some really intense looks by krennic krennic I, was amazing oh, phenomenal what a great performance he was incredible so bad guy good he's probably yeah one of my favorite villain yeah i just Ah, oh, he was incredible. He did so much with his performance. I mean, oh, like yeah. the looks on his face when he hears that it may have been uh, 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 Galen yeah. who betrayed him. Oh, he looks yeah. so upset. And even in the beginning, you get the feeling that, that Krennic really likes Galen and wants him to be right. His, like they like they were friends he, previously. And he yeah. wants him back as a friend. Which is why he buy. I think that there's probably some of that those feelings and that friendship probably made him blind and it, it, it enabled um, Urso to lie because yeah. he wanted to believe it. He yeah. probably wanted him to be this person. And he, I, you know, again, sort of similar to like Professor X and Magneto, like he doesn't want to kill him. He doesn't want, he, I mean, he still has his kind of his goals. I think Krennic, he wants glory and he wants, he wants acknowledgement over everything. Yeah. That's his ultimate. He wants to appreciate. He's almost like, God, I loved his dynamic between, maybe it's one of the reasons I love Tarkin in this too, though. I love the dynamic between Grand Moff Tarkin and him too. Yeah. And Grand Moff kind of, or Governor Tarkin at this point, trying yeah. to um, essentially steal the show and his anger and his kind of frustration at that. Um, God, it's just so good. I loved their dynamic. Something that I loved was how it felt like, uh, I mean, this, this is happening in the days before episode four begins. 
I mean, yeah, like in the days, in the moments before ending, like fifteen minutes or so yeah, before totally. it starts. Like Darth Vader's star or his yeah, his star destroyer is just going to go after uh, the the Tantive Four or yeah. Tantive if you listen to the old <laughs> Star Wars radio specials. He's going to go after the Tantive Four in like a minute. You know, he's yeah. like about to follow yeah. them to go catch up with them. Um, but seeing how all the interlocking pieces of story fit together and all the interlocking elements of rebellion that were happening mm-hmm. uh, all right up until that one moment to, to have these events happen and how the force was kind of a part of that mm-hmm. in, in its own small way was fascinating and yeah. so well written. Uh, I, I felt like the the story elements of this script were, were incredibly tightly written. Yeah. There was some lines of dialogue I could have done without. Like Darth Vader's saying, I hope you don't choke on your ambition. I'm like, <laughs> Darth Vader doesn't have one-liners? Come on. Uh, but all of that stuff. Um, I kind of liked it, though. Yeah, it, I kind of liked it because that, to me, was a little bit of a throwback to, like, Ken watching, like, episode four. Like, there would be no one to stop us this time. Like, 1970s yeah. cheesy that's true. Dialogue, and I kind of liked that they gave him that little yeah. quip. I don't know. I'm interested to go back and watch that immediately because Darth Vader's costume. Uh, did you notice the red tint in his eyes? He has that red tint in his eyes that he had in episode in four. In episode four, and then they got rid they of it. They got rid of it for, it, yeah. for episode, yeah, for yeah. Empire. Because we, we saw this at um, Cinerama, and they had a Darth Vader costume right, right there, and we were noticing how, like, the neck piece of his mask look different but yeah. i want to go back and watch episode four and see if, if the neck piece uh matches the one from rogue one because i expect that it will yeah yeah i wonder if that was some really weird subtle homage to the original because that's sort yeah. of been considered almost a mistake right i mean there's certain scenes in episode four it was like a blue not blooper but you know where you can like you can see actually through like they hadn't quite found out how to perfect the tint on his right. mask. And so yeah. you can sometimes actually see through the actor's face or he'll yeah. turn and you can see through it. I think um, the idea was like, let's make it look exact. You yeah. know, let's make it look exactly like it did in episode four. They did such a good job. I felt like of me, like it looks crisper. Everything looks modern, but it still doesn't feel like, a, again, the prequel is feeling so completely bizarrely sort of out of place with the rest of everything in the star Wars universe to that point had been somewhat rustic and kind of beat. And then the star Wars prequels being so pristine and stylized and CGI crazy. I feel like they did a really good job with consistency. Like I bought that it was at the same time period. And there's so many little, see, I don't know. I, I feel like all the little Easter eggs and like the, there's definitely a lot of kind of fan fanboy like pandering. Yeah. But I thought it was so much more subtle in this movie than it was even in The Force Awakens. Mm. Even like little, like, I remember there's a scene when they're, um, I can't even remember. No, they weren't on the Death Star. I think when they're in the tower in Scarif and you hear the noise and I could almost see in my mind's eye, I was expecting the little, um, the little droid, the little like cleaning droids or the little scout droids that kind of like, like I knew that sound so well and they don't even show it. It wasn't even like. I saw one. Wait, did you see it? I didn't see it. No, I saw him. I just heard it. He's there. Oh, I missed it. I just heard it. There was a lot of stuff from Return of the Jedi in this movie. Like it looks like the same ships from the Mon Calamari fleet. Oh, totally. Uh, uh, Which was cool. I think some of them are. I'm I'm sure that some of them are, and then knowing that we're seeing like some of the same fighter pilots from the Death oh, Star battle yeah. was God, cool. But like I, the whole, I also have to say, uh, like on a whole other topic, the political backstory of this movie was fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I never thought that you could make me care this much about the politics of Star Wars. Right? Right? Again, it's like it did what George Lucas was wanting to do for the prequels, but that's why they got it right. Uh, The fact that you have the the rebellion or the alliance, but then you also have these like Saw Gerrera's rebels. Yeah. Um, And it seems like the combining of those two elements, I mean, well, not really combining because all of Saw's people died, but uh, it's like the spirit of what they wanted to do is what kind of catalyzes the the rebel alliance that we came to know in the movies which is a combination of all these different worlds uh which was really interesting because um mon mothma is a senator who has stuff in deleted scenes in episode three so we already know mon mothma as a senator so she's Mm -hmm. kind of still i mean she's still in the senate at this point the senate doesn't get dissolved until the beginning of episode four like through a line of dialogue in that meeting right uh where he's like the senate is permanently gone now or something like that yeah yeah. Um, nothing can stop the emperor's grip and at that point we hadn't seen the senate or the emperor and now we've seen it all and then we've also seen uh you know senators trying to rally like that Mon Mothma and Bail Organa working together trying to rally different planets together to create a rebel alliance it's yeah. they must have like Bail Organa has been doing all this behind the scenes stuff ever since episode three ended um, and his inclusion to me was so exciting oh, that was so yeah I was so excited and that I was like man they managed to tie in the prequels in a way that I loved loved, loved. when yeah. he appeared in the in the room on Yavin 4 I was Yes, he's probably the first prequel character I care about now. Like I just, there's, God, it was so, his inclusion was so great. His first shot where he just walked out of the the background and then they just cut away and that was it. I was just like stunned. They played a little bit of like Leia's Leia's theme. theme. I loved that. Which, oh God, that's. I I felt like that was perfect. If he never came back, I would have been satisfied. But when he came back, they used him really well. Really, he was really well yeah. Really well done. He had one little line that sort of broke my heart when uh, when he uh, is talking to Mon Mothaba and he's talking about going to find Obi-Wan and he, she's mm. like, do you have someone you trust? And he says, yes, I would trust her with my life. Yeah. And you're Leia. just like, oh my God. And I'm thinking when Alderaan is destroyed and she, as she stands there and that line like kind of punched me in the stomach a little yeah. bit that totally. I would trust her with my life and just like, and then he says, wow. I'm going home to Alderaan. Yeah. Yeah. He's so that he's going to die. Yeah. Which is Man. very, that line of dialogue really hit me hard. This movie, I, I can't believe how much they made it feel real. I never, I'm actually a little conflicted on this. Like, do I want star Wars to feel this real because it felt so real and it makes mm-hmm. everything that happens so much more upsetting, you know? Right. Um, Star Wars is like popcorn cinema. It's escapism. And it sure, it's got war in the title, but it's never really been about war. It's been about um, yeah. the light side versus the dark side. It's been about personal struggle and like magic in the universe and uh, people overcoming exceptional odds through friendship. This movie was about um, having a cause that's worth dying for. Yeah. And that's very, it's an incredibly stark contrast. Well, and- yeah, and kind of like redemption. So Jin Erso and Bodhi, uh, you know, the pilot. I the, love Bodhi. Yeah, but they both have a similar. So when Jin Erso is um, captured by the by the rebellion, and uh, Mon Mothma tells her, you know, you have a chance to for redemption to make things right to yeah. turn things, and then that's also with Bodhi. He says that. Galen or so told him the same thing. Like that's his motivation too. To like yeah, I can like undo. I can. I have a chance to like to make. It. And I loved that 
the comparison between those characters that they both had that kind of similar motivation. Everyone will be talking about this. Like, is is Rogue One better than Force Awakens? To me, I'm just so thrilled that that's how this is going to shake out. You know, mm-hmm. instead of like, did we do we need a Star Wars story? Fuck yeah, we need Star Wars stories. This movie yeah. was awesome. Yeah, uh, that's and again, maybe maybe it's just because it took me so by surprise because yeah. I wasn't. Again, now that I wasn't excited because it's Star Wars, I'm excited for everything Star Wars, but I just, I wasn't following, I wasn't just like, oh my God, I can't wait to say the story. This was unexpected. So that could definitely, where again, I think it's funny how that works out, you know, because when we did the podcast about Force Awakens, part of it was my expectations were so high that it became impossible to meet those with Rogue One. I just hadn't thought about it as much as I had been thinking about the Force Awakens. So it totally hit me by surprise just with how good it was but i don't know this even kind of on a third viewing this movie makes me feel the way that i felt when i started becoming obsessed with the originals with episode four like i just i want to read the books i want to know everything about the ursos and how they got there and i yeah i agree i mean i yeah I, I, I love it all. You know, I, though I had a couple moments during the movie where I was thinking to myself, like if they keep, cause they're going to keep doing this now, they're going to keep making yeah. these movies. Is it going to dilute the experience of the originals to have more? Um, if they're making movies this good, no, like, no, it will not because this added so much like this. Uh, human beings are pattern eaters, right? Like this made yeah. the patterns that were in place in the original more complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, does this stand on its own as a movie? Fuck yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, it's an incredible war movie. Like yeah. this movie is a little bit more science fiction than any Star Wars movie has ever been. In in my eyes, yeah. it's a little less fantasy, a little more sci-fi. It's like military sci-fi, like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like a uh, Battlestar Galactica or like Stargate or something like that. Uh, totally. I've never seen like a, a military sci-fi story about a rebellion before about, I mean the rebels to the empire, they are terrorists, you know, Yeah. which is, is an interesting <gasps> yeah. thing to think about. Well, that's another thing that I loved about this movie so much is, is hearing Krennic. So at the very beginning when he approaches, uh, when he finds Galen or so, and he's telling, and you know, he's, Oh, we'll be hostage hostages. And he says, no, you'll be heroes of the empire. Yeah. We are trying to establish peace. And yeah. like to hear that kind of him trying to spin it as like, no, this is like, does he actually believe this? Is this like, I, I thought that was really interesting. He oh. kind of painted a slightly different picture of the empire where yeah, the rebels are the, the, the bad guys, yeah, you know, and they're yeah. trying to keep order and peace in the galaxy. I, I don't really buy that. That's actually, yeah, what. It, definitely not what's actually happening. But the movie presents that point of view very effectively, yeah. which uh, was so disturbing because, yeah. like, your entire childhood is based off the fact that the rebels are good and the Imperials are bad. So yeah. to to rethink that uh, is actually like pretty powerful. Um, yeah. And I was really excited that they did that. It was like troubling and disturbing in a way that I think is incredibly good. Like this maybe made me think and feel Ugh. a lot of things. One of my favorite scenes too, that again, just in terms of being troubling, sort of that uh, when they test the Death Star on Jeddah and wow, he's up yeah. there 
and you're seeing all that, which just visually and special effects, one of the most incredible, oh breathtaking. Again, just the wave like, literally of rock like coming I'm towards you. Holy shit! Seat, like just like what are my eyes seeing right now? But experiencing this destruction from the ground, and then also, um. But then going back up to the Death Star and him saying, what a beautiful, there's a scene oh where he's looking God. down. He's like, it's so beautiful. That is And chilling. you're just like this detachment and this yeah. seeing the different point of view and different. Oh, They're like clapping politely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie spelled out the horror of war like very clearly. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's going to be very hard for a lot of young kids to watch because it's, it's yeah, disturbing. It's not a, this is, Yeah. It's not a kid's movie. It's no. This is again. Was, I felt like this was just a great and bold movie. What is this rated? Is oh, that's a great question. I never. I, I'm guessing. It's is it PG thirteen? PG thirteen. This okay. is the second. Well, cause Force Awakens was PG, right? All Star Wars movies except for Revenge of the Sith have been PG thirteen. Have been PG. Revenge of the Sith was PG thirteen. Yeah. This movie like felt PG thirteen for definitely sure. Definitely darker. Yeah. Again, it 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 was not made to sell toys. It was, it's a darker, grittier, more character driven. And again, like visually, so just, uh, Ooh, like. I'm sorry, I take it back. Force Awakens was also PG 13. Oh, wondering. okay. Interesting. I, uh, there's so many scenes I just wanted to freeze frame and paint on my wall or something. <laughs> like, it just looked like. Like um, was uh Ralph McQuarrie the, the yeah, original Ralph McQuarrie. artist? Yeah, like, it looked like just hit, this. He must just be like. You just reminded me of something Ugh. incredibly important that I have to mention. Uh, Darth Vader's palace. I think that was that Mustafar. Was that the planet where he was cut up to pieces? It looked like it. The lava planet. That's what I, I wanted to look that up. Yeah. So we got to look that up. I but, wanted to uh, look that up. His his palace on Mustafar mm-hmm. for the Mordor? original <laughs> on Mordor. Like Mordor yeah. to me. <laughs> they made like they were planning having a palace for Darth Vader on a planet in Episode Four. It was part of the original script. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't uh, remember that. I don't know if I knew that. And it wasn't used. So then they were going to use it in Episode Five, uh, and then it kept getting cut. So that's something that oh. they've been talking about since way back in like nineteen fucking seventy five. You know, wow. they've been talking about having Darth Vader's palace. Uh, which I, I read about in the making of Empire Strikes Back, I think. Uh-huh. So to see that in to see that real uh, was amazing for me. It was so exciting, and to see that he had this weird shit going on all around him, like he had acolytes and he had, yeah. you know, his like weird regeneration chamber where he sits in his own back to tank. <laughs> yeah, um, and just thinking about like what goes into keeping someone like that alive, who is right. that important, but that wounded right um and like i love the way that they introduced him as at his most vulnerable totally and then ended with him at his most Most dangerous and powerful is like oh so again i'm just oh so so good it also like it made me like the prequels a little bit more because like having the backstory of knowing what anakin used to be and what it took to make him become that even though i hate how they did it just having more information in the back of your mind yeah um, adds to this story well, but also so i mean so we did that podcast about reevaluating, you know the prequels and yeah. was it the phantom menace and all that and yeah. I, I remember one of the things that came up was about feeling like this detachment from the worlds that george lucas created in this the yeah. two cgi two yeah, yeah, yeah. fake blah, blah. yeah and now i'm kind of like man like if if those were the movies that laid the groundwork for the technology to make this film because yeah. it just 
my favorite thing one of my favorite things about this film is is the world as the the so it feels like restraint it's one of the things i loved about the force awakens as well in this kind of um making use of uh practical effects right. and but also just stunning like every single planet i just i was like this is again what i wanted the prequels to look like it's it's yeah. crazy it's unbelievable well it's unbelievable but it's believable it felt yeah, yeah, like yeah. it feels I real felt, for it sure. felt real. Like, the whole movie feels real like in a I crazy kept, way. I kept wanting to compare um, Edu, um, where you, uh, where Galen Erso's, uh, the where all of his scientists get executed. You yeah. know, where they go to rescue or try and rescue or assassinate him. Um, I kept comparing that to um, the clone, where the the cloning factory on um, uh, Geonosis. On G- no, 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 not no, Geonosis. On, uh, 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 Camino. Camino. Yeah. Yeah, like that stormy kind of. Yeah. But again, where this feels so much real so much more real to me that totally. where or, yeah i never for a moment felt like i was watching people on a soundstage duke it no. out i felt like i was watching people on Everything a planet felt yeah and again it had that perfect mix though that the force awakens also which i gave credit to the force awakens where like puppets like like uh yeah what's his name um not um admiral act the admiral act bar the point, other admiral one point of, yeah, yeah <laughs> which yeah. i kind of thought was funny that he's i loved that guy that he's yeah. he's Again, he looked like a puppet, but I bought it and I Yeah. Yeah, they used a lot of they used some puppetry in combination with CG that was really effective in this movie. Like that the brain scanner alien, there was definitely yeah. both practical and CG elements right. of that. I okay, also the the Bugali, I kind of loved that. Yeah. He reminded me it was like he was like a hybrid of um, Jabba the Hutt, the Rancor, and the Sarlacc Pit all in one <laughs> is how I totally, saw him. Yeah, it was like a hybrid of all of these. Like talking about like Return of the Jedi, kind yeah. of. That's totally what made me think of it. Was just I thought that was a really cool. Made me like, like a subtle like because it's not blatantly like oh here's a Rancor like we're just pan but it but it just had that feel of all those creatures combined to me. I yeah. don't know. I kind of I liked I kind of liked that. Yeah, totally. Uh, I want to talk about the the couple. Um, we pulled up names here because we knew we'd forget. Chirrut uh, yeah. Imwe and <laughs> yeah. Baze Malbus. Yeah. The, the force sensitive blind guy and his buddy with the is, backpack. With the with the vacuum cleaner on uh, his back. Their their relationship was incredible. I'm yeah. I'm sure that they were lovers. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's what the movie was trying to say. Yes. I feel like it was trying to inch closer to that without actually. I would agree that with that because I didn't again first viewing. I didn't. I didn't think about that or didn't catch it. Um, but on multiple viewings, yeah, I wonder if that's kind of a subtle, which again is just something I'm loving so much I about know. Star Wars is increasing the diversity. The I mean, people have been talking to you about like Finn and um, Poe Dameron maybe becoming yeah. a color or something, well, but I love that it's branching out into yeah, those yeah. carefully. And, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't think it was like blatantly obvious, but mm. I kind of wonder. I mean, they had. Yeah, it seemed to me like that's what the actors were playing. But who, huh. I, who knows at this point? Anyway, I love their that. relationship was beautiful. Oh, yeah. And the in way, the, the force sensitive guy yeah. was an incredible character. Oh, um, he was and I, one of my favorite parts of this movie. I feel like what really brought it back from fantasy more towards science fiction is that he really treated the force like a religion in a way that yeah. we've never seen. I mean, yeah. he seemed like he was such an intriguing character. Cause at yeah. first you're like, wait, is he a Jedi? No, he's not. He's not a Jedi, but he, 
wants to like his partner. He's, he's a like, force sensitive person he's... who's grown up in a time of no Jedi. I mean, yeah. he. I feel like uh, like he did the best that he could with what he could figure out about the Force because he has the Force. Like There's no doubt, no doubt, yeah, he's got the Force. Yeah. So he just kind of trained he, himself. Yeah, he didn't have any, no teachers. Yeah. No, he doesn't quite know how to control because you don't see him manipulating it the same way that Jedi do. Right. But he, yeah, he almost just seems to. Uh, I don't know. He's just like this hyper awareness of his, but but which I thought though also just be from him being blind. If I, like when that scene when you first see him like defeat all the storm stormtroopers and he's like listen, he's hearing every movement, every. Yeah. I I took it that the force he was using the force to act. That yeah. like you remember in the expanded universe novels where Luke was in a dog fight and he kind of went into this trance where he let the force take over his body and and fight for him. Yeah. Uh, like a dogfight in an X-wing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always that always stuck with me as how the force works and I know that that's in stuff that's now non-canon, but I felt like we were watching that through this character who Well, yeah, and you like, see that with the Sith Lords a lot too. I mean, Grand Admiral Thrawn controlling entire Starfleet. Well, and I think the Emperor did that too. Yeah, there's that theory this, that the like, Emperor meditation. did that totally. Uh Yeah. That like the force is just you you are a vessel for the force to act through yeah. you, which makes a I I really feel like that's what the the filmmakers are trying to say because that scene at the end where uh, where Imwe's walking through the laser fire, just yeah. chanting to himself and not getting hit. Um, I feel like they were almost trying to say, this is why stormtroopers can't hit our heroes is because the force is with them. Oh my God, seeing the Death Star upside down was so exciting. Oh, I know. It looked like it was naked to me. I'm yeah. like, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, God, like the visuals, and even like that trading post at the where you first meet Cassian, yeah, and this weird kind of—it looks almost like half the city's upside down or something. This floating like on a meteor or, or meteor something. Uh, it's it's the scene when you first meet Cassian, and he's talking to the, he sees finds the guy with the injured arm, and is first and, and finding then, out about what the Death him. Star, and, and yeah, yeah. Um, I found that, that scene kind of confusing at first. I was like, wait, did he get shot by someone? What just happened? Um. I think I think it was a he knew that he wasn't going to make it because he, he was, was slowed a, down yeah. and it was I think it was a mercy killing. Yeah. Um I think so too because I was like there's nobody else and then no one shows that like a stormtrooper would have been right there if someone else had killed him. Yeah. Just no, a, yeah, I thought I thought it was a stormtrooper that, first. No, but it was actually, Cassian. And it was that's him. kind of I kind of I kind of saw him a little bit. Again, he's kind of a little bit of that Han Solo character. Yeah. And now, actually, now that you said that, I like that even more. It's kind of that, you know, the whole argument who shot Han, Han shot first. And the fact that they took that away, the fact that Han was so ruthless that he he was going to kill Greedo first. Yeah. And that this guy would kill an innocent person to protect Again, himself and the yeah, I don't know. That makes his character more interesting to me. Yeah, if, I, yeah. if he killed him, because totally. I didn't quite get that at first. I wasn't sure what happened. I kept uh, waiting for I him like to turn around and see a stormtrooper, but yeah. there was no one there. Like, he he killed him for sure. And, yeah, I think like it was that. a combination of a mercy killing and also like he knew that he wouldn't get away and he right. had to complete his mission. Yep. Um, yeah. Which I don't even remember what was at this point. I have to see it again. But uh, he's a very ruthless. Uh, rebellion fighter you know yeah. he will do anything to get the mission accomplished which is cool i mean it's cool to see 
good guys do shit things. Because like what I wanted at that point in the movie was him to say, well, fuck whatever's happening. You're my buddy. I'm going to get you out of here. Because that's like what I've come to expect from Star Wars. Yeah. And it set it up very early that that's not what this movie is. Like this movie is is set as close to the real world as we can. Right. uh, To have this war play out. Yeah. Which to me is like a longtime Star Wars fan is so... uh, I feel like honored by that. Yeah. You know, I feel like honored that they made this movie for yeah, me. Yeah, it's such a great addition to this. God, I love it so much. Me it's such a great addition to this canon. Yeah. Oh, man, we are out of time. Okay. Uh, I yeah. never say that on this show because <laughs> I know because uh, I, I don't like listening to podcasts when like we're out of time, but we actually <laughs> yeah. th- we were on a time crunch today and we are out of time. I, yeah. So we got to wrap it up. But yeah. uh, we just like scratching the surface of this movie. I, I, I'm sure I will talk about this again on the podcast and hopefully with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll come back anytime. Yeah. I've got, you know, what we should do. Yeah. We should like we should do this again when it comes out on DVD and do a commentary. We should like watch totally. it and talk all the way through it. Totally. I feel like that's oh, yeah. the only way that I can would... really express all yeah. the little things There's that I so want to talk many... about. I know. Like I was trying to make like mental notes again, all the thing. And I don't feel like I even hit on because there's so many little, even like the music we haven't got. Oh, so many things. Oh, the music yeah. was amazing. Oh, I know without having, and without relying on, on John the John Williams, like, yeah. I mean, the elements of it, but st- amazing and like strategically placed elements of it. But yeah. while coming up with its own, Oh, new score themes. And it's own. Totally. The music was brilliant. Oh, it was Michael Giacchino, wasn't it? He I composed the so. new Star Trek movies. He composed okay. for Lost. Uh, the The music was, uh, no pun intended, was pitch perfect. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I liked this score better than I liked the Force Awakens score. Wow, that I can say wow, off the first yeah. viewing. This one hit all of the uh, uh, the notes that I love about Star Wars, which is like the unusual harmonies, unusual yeah. melodies, unusual instruments. There was like a, an instrument at one point that I that was a real instrument that was not digital. I don't know what it was though, but it was like an acoustic sound that was fucking strange. And I was so excited by it. And they hit some of the cool melodies that I really liked from, uh, episode four that never came back. Um, yeah, I felt like this was more in line with the original trilogy there score was, than than Force Awakens was. Force Awakens sounded more like a prequel score than an original trilogy score. I feel like it. I felt like it even included elements from the prequels though too. Mm. That I um I can't quite pinpoint. Now I can't remember at which point, but I swear that it incorporated again, which is a subtle, you know, accepting of the prequels into this, you know, but in, in a good way that I appreciated. See, we just we just got ourselves down into a rabbit hole immediately after saying we're I gonna know, stop right? talking. I know, right? I know. All right, yeah, we gotta stop talking. We gotta, I gotta uh, take care of my dog. <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, once again, so much fun. I love going to see Star Wars movies and then podcasting with you. It's so fun. <laughs> So I know. Great. I look forward. I I like didn't even want to post anything on Face. I didn't want. I was like, I don't want to even share opinions until I do because I wanted to save it all. Yeah. This, so. Yeah, I'm so yeah. excited. We should we should definitely make a tradition out of this. Totally. Thank you so much for coming back. Yeah. Uh, anytime. We'll, we'll definitely have you on again, talking Star Wars in the future. Yes. All right, thanks, Jenny. Anytime. <laughs> All right, friends, we have almost reached the end of our podcasting journey for this week. I have quite a bit more to say about Rogue One, but uh, in the future, it'll come. Keep your eyes peeled for the next Sci-Fi on Trial coming out, uh, hopefully in just uh, within the next couple of days, on Prometheus. It's a great episode I'm really excited about. And if you're a subscriber to my premium podcast, keep an eye out for the bonus episode from that Sci-Fi on Trial. It's going to be great. Check out my website, jessemercury.com, for all of my podcasts, all my music, everything sci-fi fantastic that I have to offer. Speaking of which, I'm going to leave you today with a brand new work in progress for my song, Saturn, 
It is almost done. I, I'm really excited to play this for you. I've been working on this for a few months and I fucking love it. So here is my new song, Saturn, and I'll see you soon. <laughs> 